Well, hello there, friends. We are back again. Relationships 103, 101 and 102 landed in the top 50 Apple Podcasts worldwide chart. So if you would do me the honor, please share this episode with a friend. They've already helped a lot of people in relationships. We've had breakups and makeups due to the advice and stories that we've given out so far. So fire it in a group chat if you would be so kind. This time around, we are talking about cheating, why we do it, what the research suggests about why men and women cheat and what they fear in relationships, how to get over someone. It's a painful process to go through when a relationship ends and perhaps you didn't want it to, and how to deliver a breakup. All of these are illustrated with some very colorful examples from our dating history and Names have been changed to protect both us and our exes and friends from uh, being used as a public example of what to do and what not to do. Don't forget to drop me a message if any of the points resonate with you. Email addresses in the show notes below or get at me at chriswillx on all social media. But for now, enjoy. It is Johnny and Yusuf from Propane Fitness. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I was messing up the start. Today we are going to talk about Relationships 103. We have done two very successful episodes that I think have helped a lot of people, or at the very least uh, helped us understand our own stance on relationships. Some good feedback on relationship. relationship. Pardon? It's ended a relationship. It ended a relationship. So I got a message from someone, I won't say who. Careful. Um, I got a message from a girl on Twitter saying that after she watched one of the relationships podcasts, she decided to finish a relationship she'd been unhappy in for a long time and was now four weeks hence and feeling liberated and better for it. So congratulations. In, uh, Instagram funnel. Exactly. So today we're actually, speaking of ending relationships... We're getting to the the darker parts, I think, of uh, of relationships. We're going to talk about cheating, how to get over someone, and how to end relationships. It's quite a um, quite a murky world, mm. this one, isn't it? We're down into the depths now, where all of the fish have got long teeth, and they've got those oh, little angular things egg, that come the off the top. globe, and the teeth have come like this. Yeah. And one of the worst things is that all of us have got really terrible stories about us. Brilliant slash terrible, <laughs> however you would like to look at it indeed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we left off last time kind of trying to work out how to establish a good relationship and move it forward. But obviously, it doesn't matter how well you try and start things off, inevitably relationships do sometimes go awry. Mm-hmm. And certainly in my experience um, in relationships, the beginning of, for me, the first... N- realization that there's something wrong is when sexual interest starts to wane so for me that's like the the first warning signal like as soon as that starts i'm like oh man like i'm not being interested i'm not being challenged i'm not being i'm just not as bothered i would say when sexual interest starts to wane that's the sugary coating to the relationship and it reveals any underlying malformations with the way that you've come together 
and it makes it more obvious because there's no longer any sugar coating to make that better. And there was two themes that you mentioned in 102 about when you meet someone and you have slightly misaligned values and as you grow together, those trajectories will move further and further apart. And then when they get to breaking point, then there's a natural progression which is breaking up. And the other thing was about tolerating things or what was the word you use? Like keeping someone right or... Yeah, drawing lines in the sand. Yeah, having having those boundaries. And if you don't set them early on, over time, they as the sugar coating starts to dissolve... Yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind. Of, that's kind of right, isn't it? Over you get kind of like compounding interest on differences between the two of you, or it's mm-hmm. like the trajectory of a of a rocket ship. Like if you're one percent off at the start, by the time you get oh. to the moon, you're actually like a hundred thousand miles apart from each other. And it's like you're holding a rope, and you both just start walking in the desert. Yeah, like a stretchy rope, let's say long one, long long. Some um, elastane. Yeah, and you both just start walking together. You think you're walking parallel, but over time you start realizing mm. you're both walking like that, drifting apart. And then eventually the rope pulls more and more and more and you either allow it to pull yourselves together and you realign your values together or you carry on stubbornly going your own way until... Or you, you yeah, see someone else who's holding a bit of rope and think, fancy Ooh. a bit of that rope while that I'm holding this one. That and then before you know it, you've got hold of five bits of rope. Well, oh, that's when you're trying to hold on to one and you just lean over and get, get the, the other, other one. one. Mm, and, yeah. then the, and hoping they don't notice. But they can see that you're holding on to two ropes. And then you've got one in your mouth... And then you've got like... I don't think we need to talk about what we've got in our mouth. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, Relationships no. 104. That's one That's the That's a, available on a members-only website. What to and what not to put in your mouth. Quite certain mm. requirements for that. So. Exactly. So, yeah, I think... Should we start with cheating in a relationship? Because we've still got the relationship at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're still in the relationship. The, yeah, we're this, imaginary, this imaginary relationship that's had a million different timelines. We should probably off. say then, like if, you've watched, if you're watching this and you haven't seen 101 and 102, these move in chronological order so from... God's sake. Bloody yeah. hell. I mean, why are you watching 103 before you've watched 102 yeah, and 101? It. It's because I think is... 103's got better stuff in. That's, I always do that. I always watch like, Skip part ahead. two. Part of it, oh, you've bought an try. iPhone X, not an iPhone 1, haven't you? Mm. Fair enough, whatever. So... Cheating in a relationship, a couple of things that I'd like to kind of mention straight off is that there's certainly been times where I've, so I've been, uh, my infidelities in relationships haven't been massive, but they have been, uh, they've existed. And one of the main reasons that I've done it, I think, is to kind of protect myself. I've kidded myself into believing that if I cheat in a relationship, that somehow gives me some sort of power or if I've got some uh, insecurities about the way that the other person feels about me, it almost comforts me and kind of pads those out, gives it an artificial sense of inflation where I'm, oh, well, I'm not as bothered, like, because I've, like, I've slept with someone else, so I'm, I'm not really that arsed. But all that you're doing there is you're just papering over cracks of a problem which are going to get worse. And in fact, actually, you're just driving a wedge into them because if you're concerned about how you feel about someone, Sleeping with someone else is a pretty surefire way of beginning to. So, are you saying cheating? You, whenever you have cheated, it's been a political move, or is it just that it's unconscious behaviour that then, as you think about it, it's like, oh, maybe I did that so that I can distance myself from it. Without yeah, I, to... I think in retrospect, I'm not really too sure at the time. At the time, it's quite sort of um, primal and tits and that. Yeah, tits and shagging and that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it, it feels like an insurance policy somehow against being hurt. But That's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, 
So have you? Have you it makes sense. Like, uh, yeah. Have you both cheated on people before? Yes. I've never cheated on someone. I have. Okay. So I, I never viewed it in the way that you viewed it. That feels very, like, step away from the situation. It's like, here's a situation happening. I'm going to go in another room and think about it and then come back in and make a decision. My, I feel like mine was always like, this this situation's kind of doesn't feel as good as it used to, so I'm looking for the next one, if that makes sense. Oh, so you were prospecting? I think so. I think so. That's a different <coughs> motivation then, isn't it? That's like, I'm unhappy in this, but I'm not doing it as an insurance policy to feel better about this relationship. I'm mm. just looking for a new rope to hold so, on to. So I think actually on. that's... I think the reason why most people cheat is that they believe that the sugary coating is the the, the thing to chase yeah and so like I, I also think that every relationship has a fixed trajectory so like there's this you'll encounter the same problems now like in the relationship you're in now than then in as you will in the one that you move into by cheating assuming that most people like they're married for example they cheat on their partner and then end up in a relationship with the person they cheated on thinking that they will never experience the problems that they had with that person. But actually, they're just starting again. And in two years' time... Probably on a worse premise as well, because you've well, then because started the, a relationship as on an the pre- affair. Well, see, <laughs> so, the one way to know for sure that the person that you're with will cheat on you... Has the capacity to cheat. ...is, is because you met them by cheating on someone, oh, yeah. and they were cheating on someone. <laughs> there's, like a meme, a, there's a meme floating around that says, if he cheats with you, he'll cheat on you. Mm. Well, like that, I don't think that's an unfair thing to say as well. Like past behavior is usually fucking obviously predictive. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking obviously, yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Oh no, no, I'm different now. I've I've changed. I'm a better person. (laughs) So that said, though, I think um, having cheated on someone before, I now realise how just utterly pointless it is. Like it is, it is, it is. Hyperbolic discounting at its at its biggest, most Everyone. insidious form. I've got like a cramp and it flipping knocks it? It? in my foot. Ah, thanks, Johnny. Is it going? Yeah, great. Thank God for that. Well, I'm glad that we featured that. So, yeah, the hyperbolic discounting thing is from 101, and you mentioned it in that. So you need to go back and watch it. Yeah, for heaven's sake. Um, so I I totally agree. There's kind of like a product life cycle. Exactly. And then you've gone. You've got like. Intro, growth, maturity, mm-hmm. and then as it begins to tail off, all that you're doing is just starting again. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and actually, I think the some of the the best parts of a relationship are, are are accessed only after you've gone through that period of time. Through the the lull, and then yeah, it goes into or maturity. it's it's a lull if you choose it to be a lull. It's a lull mm-hmm. if you think like I'm so back into my analogies of like treating a a relationship as an asset. Like people think that a relationship happens to them. And then when the relationship stops working, they think, oh, well, the relationship stopped working, so I need to go and find a new one. Rather than the relationship's not working, why don't I invest more time in the relationship to try and make this relationship better? It's like you, you've gone, you put all this work in, finding this person, building a relationship with them, having all these experiences with them. And then as soon as some like sexual interest or, or whatever goes, a lot of people, myself included, at one point have gone, fuck this, I'm off. Rather than actually... Why don't I just double down on this and, and see if I can fix the problem? It's like a it's it's like a startup cost or a fixed overhead to a relationship, isn't it? Yeah. Because at the beginning, you, everybody needs to do the same things. You need to meet the parents. You need to work out where they live. You need to work out their schedule. You need mm. to try and align yours with theirs. And there is a 
administrative uh, headache. Administrative it's, it's a nightmare. Involved, it's a bloody yeah. nightmare. To have to repeat that just for the sake of novelty mm-hmm. is a bit... So we got criticised last time for, I think it was your analogy of the second-hand car market mm. in relationships. Mm-hmm. And actually... This, Despite the fact that it's entirely accurate. But, well, I will yeah. fight to the death anyone who thinks that that's not right. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, you're, you're commodifying women. It's like, no... You're, men are, men are you're assuming. Yeah, yeah. We're, talking about that. we're talking about men and Works women. in both directions. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, in all directions. All directions, yeah. Not it's not yeah. bi-directional. Yeah. That, Don't put me in a box, Chris. That, that was video Zerdine that um, looked over at us. <laughs> uh, for anyone who's listening, uh, you will notice Dean. there is a there is a, a discrepancy about whether Video Mandine is called Video Mandine or Video Guy Dean. So we've decided that we're now non-binary and mm-hmm. we're name fluid. So No preferred pronoun Dean. No, yes. Video person or video Zer. So this, this, uh, this curve. Of like, I feel like you're making light of it. I. It's a very I, serious. I feel it's like a very serious problem. Serious. I'm fully serious. So <laughs> I tell you all. I'll tell you, so this curve. <laughs> if you were to buy a decent car to to begin with, yeah. Now and your plan is to keep it for fifty years. Mm-hmm. You would spend some time looking for a good car. You wouldn't get a cheap rubbish one. Yeah. You would then invest in it. You treat it well. So that in 30 years time or 50 years time, it becomes a vintage car or becomes a classic car rather than if you got a rubbish one that has no prospect of becoming a classic car in the future, mm. then yeah, you're going to have to keep hopping between cars and finding new Did ones. Did I use my shoe analogy no. last time? I remember reading the shoe analogy. So the shoe, the shoe analogy, I'm going to get, someone's going to get upset again. So <laughs> imagine if I said, so this is very, like, very Tim Ferriss. So imagine you're going, you're going uh, traveling single backpack and you can take with you one pair of shoes and that pair of shoes has to be comfortable to walk in. Yeah. It has to be appropriate for if you're smartly dressed, you have to be able to go to the gym in in them. Like you would pick a fucking good pair of shoes. Like you would spend a lot of time weighing up the pros and costs of all the different pairs of shoes in relationships. What a lot of people do is see the flimsy high heel and think I want to buy them. And they're, Cause they, they look nice. They work in one specific area of your life or they maybe match one specific situation or one side of your personality. But actually when you want to go for a walk on Sunday morning, they're never going to work. Or a pair of lifters. Uh, yeah. Pair of lifting yeah. Shoes. I saw a video the other day of a guy walking. I can't remember where it was. He was just like walking along the street in a pair of squat shoes. So like that's a man who bought the wrong pair of shoes. He bought the wrong shoes. I bet his relationships are terrible as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful in relationships. So like in the same analogy, like if you're not you, fit for purpose. Yeah. You've got, yeah. you're buying these pairs of this pair of shoes. Or like you're investing in this situation that like you're going to be with that person on holiday, like in the house when there's nothing to do in all these different situations. So you better make sure that, so, I agree. so that, that's buying a Volvo, isn't it? Knowing that it's going to last you. Mm. So to, to, to go on Volvo to with a turbo and some nice exhausts. That's <coughs> tuned. Neons. It's well tuned, isn't it? So, the the cheating side of things, why do you think people cheat in relationships? Why do you think men cheat first? I think it's the belief that novelty will cure the problem that they're experiencing or the feeling that they're experiencing, whether that is lack of connection, lack, lack of engagement, feeling unhappy with the person. So like something happens in the relationship that not the existing novelty by definition wears off because it's no longer novel and we are in a society whereby um, you are constantly aware of other options in relationships. So walking down the street on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, like there's Tinder. every, well, yeah, in, in a more direct sense. But even if you're not in like a dating market, you're still presented with window shopping, hundreds and hundreds of different people who are single, who are sort of 
advertising their life, as it were, on social media. And so to to try and tell yourself whether this is in a relationship or, or anything for that matter, like the decision I've made is the best decision, and I'm happy for I'm happy with that, and no alternative is possibly better. When you are in a situation that you are feeling doubtful of, and and it's the the sort of the shine's gone off it, and suddenly there's an opportunity placed in front of you, and you think that novelty that is appealing, you people then t- tend to make a short term decision. I think we're signalling again off. Uh, hotness rather than beauty to a degree as well. If yeah. you remember the analogy from yep. 102, mm-hmm. um, people are using that as a gauge of, well, this is potentially more beautiful because there's a novelty bias mm-hmm. um, and a recency bias as well and uh, all of the other all the other um, cognitive biases so, that we so So hot is um, like some Jimmy Chews. Beautiful is like, sort of like a nice pair of nanos or like that could be worn in loads of different situations. I get that. Like they're really nice but they're not, not quite as glitzy. Yep, I get that. Why do you think Good women... pair of Merrells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. There probably would be some cat boots. Yeah. Um, why do you think women cheat, Yusuf? So there's there's a few psychologists that have formalised what Johnny's just said there, which is the the stereotype that men will treat for, cheat for physical or sexual novelty and women cheat because they feel unloved. Um, and that the primary driver of men's motivation in a relationship is respect and for women it's love and if they don't feel like they're receiving that um respective thing then they'll start to be unhappy in the relationship and and want to leave there's an interesting study which looks at asking people who are in partnerships how what would be worse for you if your partner was having great sex with someone else or if your partner was deeply in love with someone else it's like what on one side it was they didn't care about them, but were having good sex. Yeah. And on the other side, didn't ever touch them, but sent very meaningful messages and cared about them deeply. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, those two kind of opposites on the spectrum. And men would always say, or in general would say, I prefer if my partner was deeply in love with someone else, but didn't touch them. And women would prefer the opposite. So I think that's quite interesting with the way that we're wired. And so, the way sorry, that we, say that again. What do so, men prefer? So men would prefer if their partner was in love with someone else rather than if they were having great sex with someone else, but it was meaningless. I think that just harks back. I really can't decide. Really? I think I would... I'm probably part of that stereotype. You'd prefer that they were in love? Yeah. Even though it's illogical, because that's harder to... Remedy. Yeah. In this situation right now, it's easy for me to to rationalise, but the um, juvenile ego inside of me I know how visceral and how stomach punching it is when you don't feel like you're good enough mm. and it's there's nothing that you can do to stop to want that feeling to just fuck the fuck so, off so visceral like Aubrey Marcus was talking about when his wife first had sex with someone else and he started this polyamorous relationship that he spent a lot of the time like dry retching on all fours <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah great Which one Aubrey insane great one man how about we <laughs> salt in the water Salt fucking bone, bone broth on the morning yeah. mate yeah, enjoy that while you, that you know, wife's, wife's getting box. leathered all over by some 21 year old from Austin Texas Jesus. while you're sniffing your Rosemary incense oil, candle trying to be productive walking on bare grass fuck off all writing a book that's really misleading <laughs> and lures you in to begin with thinking actually Aubrey this might be alright and then you get about 20 pages in your work <laughs> oh my god bunch of bollocks <laughs> he's throwing axes at a plank of wood in the fucking garden that's Aubrey solidly never coming <laughs> on never going to get Aubrey am I it is, no Sorry. it is actually it's okay 
<laughs> Please come on, Aubrey. Um, so, yeah, I think both of those analyses are, are, are very accurate. Um, like I say, for me, it was kind of like a, a protectionist strategy. Like if, it's a hedge. If I, it is, is a hedge, but it, it, it wasn't because I never had, a lot of the time, I never had any intention of going off with one of the other girls. Right. What I was doing was I was using it to protect my own insecurities about not, uh, about concerns about the partner in my relationship. So it was like, if That's I've nice. cheated, then at least I've cheated. It's the, um, yeah, I got in there first. Is it prisoner's uh, dilemma? Yeah. No, it's, like it's, steal, steal or split. Yeah, exactly. You've stolen first, so you, they can't, yeah, hurt you can't, you, you can't steal yeah. as much mm-hmm. as I've stolen because I've stolen first. So it limits your worst case scenario, which is, it, it's a huge, um, fallacy. It, it's just not true. Like mm. you think that it's going to somehow hurt less, <clears throat> but the difference is you've robbed yourself of the one thing that you could have held on to, which is the fact that you could have been virtuous. Mm. Like there is nothing that there's no sympathy for anyone in a relationship. If you find out that both partners have cheated on each other. Mm. Well, then you're just in a mess, aren't you? The you're relationship's ruined once the first partner's cheated. Absolutely. Really. Like mm. once that's done, it's especially if it's, if it's withheld, from the partner. Yeah. I, I know some people are like, oh, it's brought us closer together because then we became honest with it. But Fuck <laughs> no. Anyone, it. anyone who says that you've managed to make a partnership work because one of you's cheated on the other one is chatting shit. Yeah. It's it's rationalising it to feel better about the whole thing. Fuck off. So. Honestly, like it's, you, yeah, you, you're trying to, you, you're kidding yourself. You're absolutely kidding and yourself. You, you, you cannot, you could get into, so with the, Mercury, Mercury, Aubrey, Marcus. So, Sex at Dawn, that book. I haven't read it, yet, but that's he. He's a big believer in like polyamory and that monogamy is. Anyone I've read who's read Sex at Dawn has completely shifted their perspective on polyamory. And really? Like, oh my god! Like, I'm never getting married now. And it's like, so, I'm almost also, scared to read it. Bollocks! Like, so <laughs> let's, let's look at it from very, very briefly. I've done two podcasts with evolutionary psychologists recently. I'll lay a couple of a couple of points on you two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, lay them on us. Female women. Uh, Female female women. Female Uh, women. Female female women. That's a joke from Relationships 101. If you haven't noticed... It's a joke that I can't even remember. So don't feel bad if you're thinking... Oh my God. I listened to Relationships 101... You were in. You were here. I was here. You existed. Anyway, I might be in such so um, female female humans. They don't have um, visual um, uh, ovulation. They visual ovulation is that right what would it be if like you can't see when a woman's on heat oh, oh I see okay. you, there's subtle signs but right, yeah. we pick up on it yeah but mostly you yeah. can't it's not the same as like a dog but you know what I mean it gives off pheromones oh uh, okay um, so anyway um, then there is the fact that <sighs> sex is a very long process for humans compared with other animals not for me um it's a very long, a very long process, um, and basically all of the things it would appear that human sex has evolved to encourage is pair bonding. That it requires the man to. It's not that easy to get pregnant. Like you don't know what time of the month it is for her, so you need to continue to have sex. Sex lasts for a while and feels relatively good compared with some other animals as well. And what this leads to is consistent sex, consistent long pleasurable sex. And what's the outcome of that? Pair bonding. Mm, okay. You have a greater sense of a bond between the male and the female. Okay. There's a couple of things about the size of testicles are 
supposed to relate to how promiscuous the females are because the bigger the testicles, the more semen there is to wash out the man before you. And that's straight from the mouth of Professor William von Hippel. <laughs> I've heard, I'm, I'm guessing, it might, it might have been him that says something similar where like the, the glands... Shape of the penis. The, so the glands of the penis <laughs> yep. is shaped, has that, the corona, the ridge, mm-hmm. so that it can... It's a vacuum. Yeah, so he's he's seen the penis. Well. There's a penis plunger video, which Video Mandine, if he can make it work, will be here. Bing! And we're back. Anyway, you're putting that YouTube holding bay, don't we? Oh, <laughs> where are all the other people who've got PewDiePie's over there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so a corona exists to scoop other men's it sperm, it creates out. a vacuum that pulls other semen. Assuming you've like you're uh, having sex with a woman who's just had sex with someone else, assuming you are, I think the, the technical term for that is um. Porridge stirring. Porridge. Uh, okay, porridge stirring is the yeah, the, the, the the clinical term apparently. So, um, great. That's how it goes. Lovely image. Um, so, I'll be doing it wrong then. If that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, man. You got to use a big two hands. Yeah, big stirrer. Get, get in there. So yeah, I think <clears throat> the the evolutionary justification for cheating aside, the, the orgasm as well. The contractions push the semen up into the uterus. Is that right? Yeah, so um, well, up into the ovaries. So like the the contractions. So if you if you make a woman orgasm during sex, supposedly that is to, is a strategy to improve fertility. To so if you're good, you won. Yeah. So the man's corona. And if you have a more symmetrical face as a man, you're more likely for your partner to orgasm during sex. Is that true? Apparently, that w- women is that cause or effect? I don't know how they studied that though, yeah. but yeah. Fair enough. So, yeah, I think I think you're fairly symmetrical, Johnny. I'm just checking. Yeah, you are. You're the same on both sides. Yeah. Um, checking for so, yeah, it was an insurance It was an insurance policy for me. It was trying to make hold myself... Hold on, hold on. I, I brought up monogamy. You started talking about coronas and glands and coming. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like we made any progress with that. Monogamy? So you, <laughs> you, I think you said, uh, you said I'm going to talk about what Mr. Von Hippel said. That was it? You spoke about it? The, so, different, the different elements of sex. So and sex what is long encur- and pleasurable and it's happening all the time. Encourages pair bonding, yeah. So, uh, okay. Okay, so, so therefore monogamy isn't the option or is. isn't the solution. What? Isn't or is. Is. Is the solution. <coughs> yeah. Polyamory from evolution isn't. Yes. From evolutionary, yeah. right. I think so, it's, uh, yeah, polyamory to me is one of those things. It's like, um, it's like at the start of this year when I was like, you know what? I'm going to do an hour of meditation every day. That'll be fine. Three days in, fucking hell. Dry retching on the floor. <laughs> like, well, your wife's been the, nailed. The, the, the idea that's presented in this book that's convincing everyone, like, I'm sure that it's very convincing. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you've just got to get down to brass tacks and, <laughs> and, and be in a relationship where you're both sleeping with other people. Well, we, yeah, and so be okay that. with that. And the, when we spoke to John Romaniello, he lives with two women that, and he's in a triad of a relationship. Mm. And the way he described it, it just sounds like a, a real... That's a good podcast to listen to because he he is a man who is he's fully doing he is this. in a polyamorous relationship with a lesbian couple and he was like I understand that this sounds like most straight men's dreams but trust me administratively there's a lot going on because <laughs> <laughs> you've instantly like with a relationship there is one thread one rope yeah instantly he's, he's just he's like a man taking twelve dogs for a walk <laughs> like, he's like I've got so much so many intricacies in each of those relationships yeah. to manage all the time yeah and like. 
by spending one time more time with one of them, you're by definition spending less time with the other. So like if you're in a relationship now, you're already having those feelings of like, I'm working too much. I'm, yeah. Like I'm at the gym, I should be, and then like, fucking hell, I'm with partner one, I should Multiple be with partner two. two. He must be so productive to even just be able to put the time in. Oh, I think yeah. he's a very effective man. Fine, fair enough. So, what was the response to your video? The Why Men Cheat, as explained by Family Guy. Did you get many comments a on lot that? Of, a, lot of people, a lot of people replied, and I think there was one woman who said, no, it's because they're cheating, they're just cheating ourselves. And oh, I, 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 mentioned, I mentioned that the word cheat was, was in the... It was in the video. Mm. It was in the actual text yeah. of the video. It was almost impossible to see the video without reading the word cheat. Mm. But I think why men cheat, as explained by Family Guy, is the just novelty bias, isn't it? It's that it doesn't have to be better. It just has to be different. And I think a lot of men and women can kind of agree. Like, it makes sense both logically and it's been reflected in experience yeah I, I think like although these are stereotypes and they're always kind of easy for mental um heuristics to you know to to jump to quick conclusions certainly i've seen women cheat for that reason as well and you know the 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 things with the trends that we talked about with love versus respect and sexual novelty and all this stuff like certainly works the other way and i think the way that that female sexual behavior in the last 20 years has become progressively more masculine or how stereotypically masculine in that women now become protagonists and um, the, the, the sort of the, the pushes of, uh, of sex now in that because there's less, less of a clear gender role, there's less shame and so on around the whole thing that now cheating behavior is almost matched as well. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, so yeah, Moving forward from cheating, I suppose, is how do you end a relationship? Mm. Oh, if that's me, I'm going to feel... No, it's Dean. Like a big poo. It's definitely Dean. Do you feel like a big poo, Dean? Dean so doesn't no. speak. No. Dean doesn't speak, does he? Um, yeah, I'm so talking to myself. How, how do you end a relationship and ending a relationship generally? Or should you? when should you end a relationship? That's a great question. So, I, question I th- one, when you're cheated on or when you cheat... Should you oh, end a relationship? God. I mean, so, so you're going to sell it seven quid under that. <laughs> sell yeah. it seven twenty now. I think the the thing that we brought up before about if you if anybody claims that someone cheating on them brought them closer together in a relationship, they're chatting shit. Mm-hmm. It can only make things worse. I Spinning I do rides. agree. I do agree that there's probably a couple of people out there. There's some people out there for whom they may be able to continue as the same, but. It's not making your relationship better. No. That is fucking chap- bollocks. Well, it's it's removing trust. Yeah, just destroying. There, trust. there is a there is an agreement that neither of you are going to do that, and mm. one of them people has done it. Unless, so we spoke to James Bailey on the podcast. Very interesting guy, polyamorous person, recently in a monogamous relationship, but just said at the start, "Look, I'm tempted by other women, and this is the case. So if we're gonna, if I'm gonna have sex with someone, I'll let you know, but." This is, this is it, and you you can as well. But let's just so discuss. Is, is it that so cheating? I suppose it's not because they've set out the terms yeah. to begin with, haven't they? Because cheating is is really just defined as breach not, of not adhering the to the terms of the arrangement. The terms need to be put in advance, and this is that's a great point that we've missed off there. The fact that where do you draw the line with what is and isn't cheating? Mm. And I recently had a discussion with someone who is uh, regularly on a morning TV show, and. She had been on saying that 
a man liking other women's photos on Instagram counts as cheating. And I was like, fair enough, I don't agree. Because you are implying um, a goal out of that. You're implying a particular mm-hmm. desire that he's trying to achieve by that same argument. It says more about her than it does about the men. To a degree, but I, the, the same argument would be that a man, your man who's looking at another woman in a bar is exactly the same because that's pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and But the, the very furry grey line of exactly what is and isn't cheating, like is holding hands cheating, is having a meaningful conversation with someone cheating, don't hold hands. We're cheating. You are cheating. On That's who true. On Chris, because he told us not to. Oh, yeah. You've broken the terms. Um, yeah, like where does the line get drawn for cheating? But I think definitely... Should you split up with someone when you find out that you've been cheated on? I guess that's a very individual uh, individual question. Depends how much it matters to you, I suppose. Well, so if, if the relationship matters more, should you? As in, like, it depends how much the specific instance of cheating matters. Okay. Um, we, but, we read like, the comments of this stuff, and I'd be really interested if someone could comment, if you've ever been in a relationship where someone's cheated and you've stayed together and you were glad that you did, Compared yeah. to... And it's improved things. Mm. That would be... I mean, that'd be very surprising. Because mm. I did. I, I stayed with a girlfriend after she cheated on me. And it was such a mistake. I was just like, why did I do that in the first place? But it's just because I I was too, like, too clingy, I suppose. And looking back, it was like, if I'd just taken that as the... Because it, it's already late stage. By the time someone cheats, the relationship's already broken. By the time it's an even, alarm going off, isn't it? It's not the well, problem. It's a lagging alarm as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's like it's so far after. How, how much life did you lose? Like six months. So it's a significant proportion of your existence I don't think so it was, far. I mean, it wasn't life lost, but yeah, like well, it no, was but it could have been life spent doing other things, right? Yeah, not yeah. investing your time in someone else who didn't deserve it. Could That's have spent true. More time in Jasmine Pool on your breath. You could have yeah. done exactly. You could have got six, thrown out. Could have got thrown months. out six months early. Imagine the size of my carotid arteries there. Yeah. Be like, oh. Massive. Um. So I, I think certainly one thing in terms of like how to when to finish a relationship, the presiding rule that I've realised over the last few years is that if you are unhappy in a relationship and you want to finish it, and you're certain that you want to finish it, you should finish it right now. And the reason for that is that not only are you wasting your own life, but you're wasting someone else's as well. Mm. It's and respect for yourself and for the, the other person, person, isn't it? Like, yeah. if you know that it's not going anywhere and you can't pluck up the courage to do it yourself, yep. think about the fact that you're wasting the other person's life too. And, yep. I mean, if you if you need more motivation than that, I'm afraid I can't give it to you. What are the big objections to doing that? So Fear. Fear. D- difficult conversation. F- fear of making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Fear that you'll only realize that you're making the wrong decision. Yeah, <laughs> that you're, you're only realizing that you, you that you made the wrong decision later down the line. Because I, th- I think like any big decision, the fear is I'm going to do this and I'll regret, regret it. Because yeah. if you were, if okay. you knew you were right, it wouldn't be a difficult. Decision. It'd be like oh, this is a shit conversation. Mm, I see. But I need to do it. It's it's how do I know? Because it's it's bad now. I've had some bad experiences. I'm not sure it's going anywhere. I'm going to have this awful conversation, but I might see him or her with someone else in six months' time and think, oh, oh, oh should, yeah. yeah. So it's like, how do you... That's just prolonging the, the it pain, is, isn't it? It yeah. is. So it's like, I'm going to hold on to something to avoid that potential future 
pain or discomfort. I'm going to cause myself six months of mild discomfort and pain rather yeah. than no, a no, I've, shot. I've made it last a long time. Mm. I've made I it. Dragged out the. the I've made. Nonsense. I've made. I've known that a relationship has been over for a very, very long time, and then the relationship being over period has lasted longer than the relationship not being over period. <laughs> and I mean, like, it's just and then by force of momentum, and you're just like, oh, well, this man, is the new. This is it. the new re-regulated relationship, which is constant kind of unhappiness and disagreements and arguments and resentment from you, which destroys anything beautiful that you did once have with that person as well. Like mm. the way that it works with club nights, if we have a license that goes until five in the morning, but the club night's waning at three, we close at three. Mm. Like we don't let it fizzle out until five in the morning, because if that happens, the few people that are left at five in the morning say, oh yeah, were you at Voodoo the other night. That. It was when we left. It was really shit and really? dead. Really, that's so interesting. You do it with club nights as well. Yeah. So, it, so it's a fluid end point. You but, just say, right, everyone, like it's getting a bit rubbish now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Finish on a high. Finish well, on a high. It's getting you're... a bit rubbish. It's. I think it'll probably get a bit rubbish in twenty minutes. So uh, I'm going to preempt it. And... They say you should do that. Well, like Juju Mufu does that with training, with with like tumbling specific training, where he's like, when you start to feel good, stop the session. Mm. To Don't. be honest, I've had it with training of like. I hit PB, 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 and I'm like, this, I'm unstoppable. And then I fall off a cliff. Yeah. And it's like, if only I just thought, you know what? End on a high. Mm. Yeah. People are starting but, to leave the club. Let's just... I think yeah. one of the reasons why... So I, um, I'm... only just realised this recently. I'm a very empathetic person. And I think that plays into... The fact that I'm empathetic is also played on top of the fact that I don't like upsetting people. And I think one of the other reasons why I, in the past, struggled to break up with people was potentially a lack of self-worth. That I was like, well, fucking hell, even though I might not be happy with this person, at least I've got someone. Mm -hmm. And I'm maybe not worthy of someone else, or maybe I'm not going to get someone who's as good. Or And then there's there's definitely, there's so much momentum and familiarity and, and, and just level of comfort. Yeah. Like, all of these things, it's no surprise that finishing relationships are messy. Especially once you're in a once you're in a point where like the relationship maybe has other things associated with it, like where you live or shared possessions or pets. Family, pets, whatever, kids. Like the you're not just ending a relationship, you're completely changing your life. Yeah. And so the so cost like, of um, massive moving things around is large. Massive. And actually that's one of the biggest determinants of a depressive episode is a shift in your social um, in your your life, in your circumstance, not necessarily a positive or a negative one. So even if the ending of the relationship is classed as a positive shift in your life, because it's a big move, something like getting married, moving house, any of those things, if you have two or three of those in one go, your likelihood of depression goes up by quite a lot for yeah. that episode. So it's, you know, the, and you, I suppose your brain knows that that's a big knock. And so you end up holding it off and just thinking... Let's just keep the status quo. Yeah. Better the, better mm. the devil, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in terms of advice for if you need to, I mean, uh, we haven't even got onto this before and a girl on Twitter's already ended a relationship, which fucking bravo. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the main thing I want people to take away from this section is like, if you know that it's not going anywhere and you're certain of it, then firmly and compassionately tell the person that you're with that it's over. Sit them down, 
Don't do over text. Like, if it's serious, like, if you've been together two months, then fucking, like, do a Snapchat them, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I mean, send a fucking... Insta story. Flare. Insta flare. Flare. Swipe up. Insta story, yeah, swipe up, <laughs> swipe up to end this relationship. Uh, Link just, tree. I've got a message for you. Find it to swipe up what it is. Yeah, so... Um, Link tree. But, yeah, definitely, if you know that it's over, then firmly and compassionately tell the person that this can't go on anymore and they'll want the reasons and they'll want all the rest of it. In that scenario, I think it's best again to tell them the truth. I'm on this kind of truth vibe at the moment and we will do an episode on why truth is a superpower Mm. at some point in the future. But the least that you can do for someone when you're about to end a relationship with them is give them the metrics by which they can improve themselves for the next relationship I like that a lot. So, so you when when you're giving them that truth, it's it's because it's doing them a favor. But I think the temptation is either to not think through the delivery, and I've got a story to associated with that, or if you're so bitter about it that it ends up just coming across as like like a pressure cooker, and you just unload onto them. Um, when I was seventeen, eighteen, I broke up with a girl who I ended up in like a six to seven month relationship with, just because. I was basically um, too passive just in general in my life. And so um, it was the equivalent of someone like grabbing me and putting me in the sack. And then it's like, right, that's it. You're in a relationship. You're my boyfriend now for seven months. And then slowly I was like, hang on, like I've had no choice in this. So like, I'm, actually, I'm actually not really interested in this girl. And, and um, yeah, so this so, sounds like one of those cold call people that knock on the door of OAPs, and before and they really, know it, they've got a three hundred pounds a month direct debit. Yeah, you know, I, PPI I, I, I had all my double glazing done. I signed up for three insurances, I solar had, panels, solar panel. I had a Google Home. I don't even I didn't know how to use it. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, I was like, right, I'm gonna have to just in my much further along this the autism spectrum than mm. I am now brain. I thought, what's the best way to to I know. Okay, this sounds good, right? Took her aside just before she got her bus and I said... At the bus stop. At the bus stop. I'm not I've attra- heard this story before, Hang on. sorry. Can you look straight down the pipe for me, please, and do it? Mm-hmm. The I big said, fluffy one. Yeah. The fluffy one. I said, Rosie, I'm not attracted to you. And I thought, it's not clear enough. Like, At all. <laughs> And then I just left it and she kind of looked at me and started crying and I was like, okay, bye. (laughs) And then, so I left because of that pulling aside, she missed her bus. She had to wait 40 minutes and I walked away thinking, I think I did that smoothly. Think, think, think I let her down gently there. And then realized later on that absolutely not. Saw her three years later, she was still very upset about it. Um, And rightfully so. That was that was a terrible delivery on all counts, but like okay, so the, the point was like there was a exactly as you said like the uh, during the whole six months, too passive, not respecting myself or my time or uh, or her time, mm-hmm. especially her time because she's the one who's putting herself on the line. She's the one making herself vulnerable in that situation, yeah. really, yeah. Um, because it it's it's up to me to be to reject her or not. If someone pursues somebody, yeah. The, it's not a normal thing to for the for that just to be like oh okay I'm just not doing it on a whim yeah so um, exactly as you said it's yeah. bizarrely it's it's so compassionate to tell someone who likes you more than you like them that the relationship's over because 
you you know that as the relationship continues, all that you're suffering with is an increase in irritation and perhaps a waste of time. Whereas what that person is doing is entrenching themselves further into an investment in another person who doesn't care about them. Mm. And the longer that you allow that to go on, the more painful it's going to be when they decide, when, when it finally ends. And another thing as well is that I think a lot of cheating probably occurs. It certainly has done for me in the past due to me not pulling the trigger on that. So it's like, if I decided to say that the relationship was over when I was prepared, when I knew it was over, I would have cheated less than half the number of times that I have done. So much of it has occurred after then. So that, I mean, how many different ways do I want to be disingenuous to someone who's putting that, like giving me their time? The trouble is though, how do you know? Ooh, you hear that? Was my back cracking? (laughs) That's never happened before. Um, How do you know when you're in that situation? Because you, you arrive at this point like you're not you're not sat there with your war map out thinking like I'm going to do this next. We'll take Russia tomorrow. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know you're you've got this sort of constant feeling building up of of I'm not necessarily that happy, um, but like you know maybe things will recover. Um, I don't want them to be in a relationship with someone else. I'll just keep. Have we got a process? Yeah, everything trying. looks very deliberate and thought through with hindsight, doesn't it? But actually, at the time, you just like, like, oh, oh god. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the same question as when do you stop being young and start being old? Yeah, like it's not. It's a gradual process, and at one point you wake up and you're old, and at one point you wake up and you're unhappy. Mm. The same thing occurs for that. Because um, there is also this potentially insidious situation where you are 20 and you're in a relationship with someone and because of these beliefs that you have where you think like I should be like my sex life should be like this my personal life should be like this our social life should be like that you end the relationship and then seven eight ten relationships down the line you're like shit like should have kept on should have kept a hold of that on that relationship so like because it, of your ideals of what you think a relationship yeah. should be. So it's like you're in this you're in this position with someone and actually they match a lot of what you would really like about someone for a long-term partner but you can't see that at the time because you're searching for these ideals that you eventually realize when you're 40 you don't exist. For example, but just from insta couples that seem yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah. So well that's uh, that's doing the work on yourself before you try to make a relationship work. This yeah. is why introspective work and self-inquiry and mm-hmm. all these sort of things uncovering your own cognitive biases are so important. If you don't know what you want, you can't f- how the fuck do you expect the other person to know? Um but yeah, I, I I unfortunately for most of the stuff that we've had so far, we've been able to give a semi-autistic framework to things that's like a set of guidelines. This area of breaking up with someone the devil's in the details and the gray area of when is enough enough it is a a choice which can only be made by you and the other person and i think Mm -hmm. that the only thing that you can do is once you've made the commitment stick to it don't leave the other person with any lingering sense of hope or potential that it's going to continue or oh, that yeah. things may get better in the future or that you just want a break or whatever it is. We it's- all know that the, the, we've all got a mate who's like been on and off with their girlfriend for the last 10 years yep. and they're both Never just works. cut up about it. And it's, yeah. No. I think I, I think I do have a framework. Is it a spreadsheet? 
It's not. Oh. I can make it a spreadsheet. Brilliant. Be, Thank you. So Sub- subscription. <laughs> so, um, I think you first have to think. So it's this, it's in exactly the same way as like um, how you would approach low carb dieting. So, like, I I can't wait to hear you <laughs> compare how to break up with someone to how to approach a low carb so, diet. So it's 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 exactly Begin. it's exactly the same. So there are people who um, are fine never having carbohydrate again in their life. Okay. I'm not one of those people. So when I choose a diet approach and when I give my clients diet approaches, one of the first questions is like, can you honestly see yourself sticking to this in a year, five years, 10 years? Because if it isn't sustainable at the moment, it won't, it's not going to get better. It's only going to get probably more difficult and encounter all these things. So like if you take the standard relationship, probably taken to the nth degree, like you'll move in together. And that comes with lots of complications. You might get married. That comes with complications. You might have children, family, whatever. All those things are complexities and like a level up, like an extra thing to manage. So you have to right now think, can I imagine this getting to that point? Like, do I want this to get to that point? Is this person actually an enhancement? Do I like spending time with them? Because it it definitely should be like a level up enhancement to your life. Like you should feel like a better person. I think that's for me fundamental. But then, so if you, if you think there are those things in place and you're unhappy, I would, and I've never done this personally, but like having been in failed relationships and now in a successful one, I think collate what it is that bothers you about the person, sit down with them and say, these are the things that are getting to me. What about me do you not like? Honestly, take their list and, and really, really work on it yourself. And if they aren't receptive to that conversation, then they aren't receptive to making it work anyway, more than likely. Mm-hmm. So like if you're experiencing problems, chances are they are too. Because I, I think everyone, I was terrible at this when I was younger of like, this relationship's not going very well at all, what this person's doing. <laughs> like this, this is annoying, this is annoying. And you like moan about it with your friends, but you never consider like, I'm likely just as annoying, if not more. Just as much of a bastard, yeah. So, like, we're much more blind to our own of course, behavior as well. Of so, course you yeah. are, because it's automatic and ingrained. But yeah, so I think just having, in the same way that, you know, I, I likened a relationship to, like, a big business of, you know, like, um, like the board of Facebook when it was, like, the Cambridge Analytica stuff. Like, do they sit and panic and, and just all cry and make really rash decisions and like storm out? Does one of them go over to Snapchat and, and you know, start yes. trying to work to Snapchat? Like, no, they sit down and think, like, <laughs> let's solve this problem. Like, we're, we all want this to, to continue being Facebook. Let's solve this problem. And you've got to have the same approach. And if Mark Zuckerberg goes, this is, this is all too much for me. <laughs> I'm in here and work at Snapchat. Then, like, Facebook's never going to work. Yeah, it's fucked. So I think that's a good way that's a good way to look at it. Um and I I wonder I wonder how many people would be prepared to write down the list and then take a list. You don't have to write it down. Well okay, but, but, but to, I, to, yeah, to, to, to present to, it to them. To present present a list of the things that are well, causing problems. So, so if you aren't willing to do that, get out of the relationship. Like, there's no there is no point being in a relationship with If person. you're not prepared to do what you need to do to make it work. Mm-hmm. Then pull the trigger. And, and that that advice is the same for like, I want to start my own business. I want to get into shape. Like all of those things have an associated level of work. And it's not, do I want the outcome? Like, do I want a really nice relationship? I'm sure you do. Are you willing to do the work required? To, Can I tolerate to, to the I, I like um, I like the idea that you came up with about projecting forward. Like this person that I'm with now, mm. 
where am I at in six months, one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years? Mm-hmm. And can I imagine it working with them like that? Yeah. Because from there, if the answer is yes, sweet, you Great. can do some you're, refining. You're on the right path. Yeah. yeah. If the answer is no, you have two choices. Mm-hmm. Well, you have three, but the third one's shite. The <laughs> first choice is that you try and improve whatever the situation is. To go back to the rocket trajectory analysis, mm-hmm. like you and this person are on slightly different courses and you're beginning to diverge. As time continues, that divergence is going to get worse. You can try and course correct. Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah. You can pull your ejector seat mm-hmm. and get out of it. Mm. Or the third one is to allow the courses to continue to diverge. And over time, the small issues will become bigger. And by the time that you've reached the moon, you're a hundred thousand miles apart. So I would say in that situation, because that it's just like a second-hand car market, unfortunately, yeah. you oh should God, Johnny, pull the ejector. There's people, so there's people that keep uh... sending me messages saying, do you think that Winston Churchill was a fascist? And I don't know what they mean. <laughs> you must have mentioned. I didn't mention Winston. Winston. I think it's something, I think it's a reference to Jordan Peterson. I don't know. However, if you are one of those people who's sending me a message saying that Winston Churchill's a fascist, you are 54 minutes and 30 seconds into my YouTube watch time. So thank you very much for your money through YouTube monetization. It's true, actually. You, you are one of these people that goes on the internet and looks for things to be offended by and then gets outraged about it. I'm going to subscribe and watch more of it so that I can be more offended. <laughs> it's like, well, no one's forcing you to watch this. You're bring it very on, bring it on, buddy. I just want your watch time. We had a comment on a video the other day of a guy saying the video was boring. I was just like, mate... We had it's someone say, I, I was to watch so upset video. by this that I watched it again. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. It was my sleeping on the floor video. I had someone outraged saying, forget sleeping on the floor. It's putting <laughs> meat into your body and animals, that, you know, animal products. It's very And then he put, did another comment which said, <laughs> I was so outraged by this, I had to watch it twice. Yeah, mm. you're like, there Thanks, was no mate. mention of animal products or oh, meat. Where are, where are your videos on? Oh, oh right. yeah, you don't have any. <sighs> I mean, the worst of thing. Course. Yes, the worst thing that could happen would be for you to share your opinion with the thirteen people that follow you <laughs> on Instagram. To make yourself vulnerable to. I would be. People. I would be really. Or the level beyond that is when people see an ad on Facebook and share it, and then say something <laughs> aggressively, like aggressive to their like. Johnny's just like thirty <laughs> friends. I'm like tick. Edrank you. Yep. So moving. What were saying I had a I had a point I was going to make. Uh, the rocket diverging. Um, Oh yeah, second I can't market, pull the ejector seat because like unless of course you're getting something out of that relationship outside like maybe you don't want to be in a relationship with someone on the long term, in which case fine. Compa- you, several short term companionships. Like let's say to keep it to make it very crude, let's say the person that one of the fifty people who maybe would be perfect in, for you is gonna meet someone in three weeks' time and you never meet them because you're in this relationship that you're kind of holding on to, even though you know it's not working. So, yeah. and the you same, shake yourself off to the crazy yeah. thing is what we're talking about here. We keep coming back to it. The, um, the effects are to the power of two with everything. Everything yeah. is squared. Yeah. So it's like you are in a relationship which you are currently unhappy in. You could meet someone in three weeks' time that would be perfect for you, but you can't commit to them because you're in a relationship. And the same is true of the other Absolutely. person as well. Absolutely. And if you don't want them to meet someone else, then that, because of some kind of uh, bitterness or resentment, then that's a toxic 
That's just a, that's just just a fucking yeah. juvenile, yeah. like... Like, not only are you ruining your situation, but you're just being selfish to the other person for the sake you of can it. Fuck up, yeah. you can fuck up your Like, you can fuck up your life. You can happily fuck up your life, but messing up someone else's, and this mm. is... So for me, like, I'm, I'm perfectly happy ha- suffering the consequences of my own actions and m- my own mistakes within relationships, which have been numerous in the past. Mm. But one of the things that I really struggled to deal with was the upset that I'd caused my partner. Like that, that is a... And that sits with you for a long time. Man, it's yeah, a tough, it's a tough pill to swallow. I had to do an awful lot of reflection and mindfulness to get over some of the things that I've done. And it's like, it sounds like I've fucking killed someone. I haven't. But again, if you are someone who's empathetic, you're in this slightly vicious circle of not wanting to hurt the other person because you don't want to hurt them so you don't pull the trigger on it. And then when you do end up doing it and hurting them, then you've got all of the, this extra baggage of the fact that you dragged it out. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And I've, I've, I've done that myself as well. And, you know, after I was cheated on, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't consciously aware of it at the time that I wasn't able to fully be present with them. And mm. I was in this kind of really begrudging six months with them afterwards. And I thought, well, why have I done this? Like, why didn't I just... She would have been happier. Obviously, she wouldn't have been happy in the short term. She would have been very upset if I, because she'd feel like, oh, I've I've done this and I've caused this to happen. But yeah. After a month or so, you'd, you'd calibrate. You level up, man. Okay. And that's, I mean, that's an, <clears> that's that another thing. Nintendo DS. Yeah. Here's, here's another here's I'll, another absolute absolute story. In a second. Absolute truism of breaking up with someone. I know that it feels like either your world or their world are going to collapse. If the other person's dependent on you, you're going to think, fuck, I'm going to destroy them. They're never going to get over it. Or if you feel like you are somehow dependent on them, but you're unhappy or the relationship's abusive or you know it's not going anywhere, you feel like the microcosm of time that you're in right now is all that there will ever be. Mm -hmm. And you can't imagine ever being happy outside of it. But we are built to adapt as human beings. We literally adapt. for That's the only reason that we've been good. We're not as strong or as fast or as anything else. We're a bit cleverer. We can work together and we can adapt to changing situations. Like you've seen that thing about the six month. If someone wins the lottery or becomes disabled, um, like paralyzed from the legs down or something, after six months, their subjective ratings of happiness are the same, roughly the same. Yeah, yeah which is yeah. absolutely insane. I find that so hard to the, believe. The breaking but, up thing, like if every everyone's just trying to be happy and. An ending relationship is actually like a step in the right direction towards that ultimate goal because yeah. it was more than likely it was never going to happen in that situation anyway. You were unhappy, mm. and you should view it as an opportunity. I know it doesn't feel like one, mm-hmm. but you should view it as an opportunity. Um, so the the final bit, which is probably the most difficult, we've left the the big boss for last, is how do you get over someone? Okay, so first thing is realize that no matter how tactfully you do it even if you're really really good about it you take them to the side at the bus stop and you you deliver a perfectly crafted line about the fact that you're not attracted to them at all at all you will still get you will still be the villain among their friends among their family and there's no way around that i think even if you were well liked and that's not necessarily personal obviously the 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 friends of of the ex are wanting are going to want to support them and as a result demonize you in in the in the stories and everything else and i think just not to get involved and just to let them do that and thrash it out themselves that's step one that's the presumption that you are the breakup protagonist breaker upper yeah breaker upper the breaker 
what if you what if you are the broken? If you're the broken, because this is this mm. is the scenario I think that most people fear, which is that they care for someone and that one day they wake up and that this person says, "I don't feel the same about you anymore." Uh, There's someone else. This needs to finish. And because in some cases, like oh, thank God. I mean, like, oh, I'm so yeah, excited. Thank I mean, I th- so here's, again, this is my kind of the, the main point that I think guides my particular um, emotions in these situations. And that pride in a relationship is such an overriding, overbearing, visceral, stomach-punching feeling. And it, for me... The loss of pride. It's, yeah, that, 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 that you have this ego and... And it's so fucking fragile and that there's been situations that I've been in with girls where I haven't wanted them anymore. I don't want them. I'm not bothered about them. And I don't even mind if they're with someone else. Like I'm not attracted to them. It doesn't matter at all, but I still don't want them to say to me that they don't want me. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want you, but I don't want you to not want me. Like you're the dirty penny that's at the bottom of my bag, but you still got to fucking stay in my bag. And it's such a juvenile, ridiculous way to feel. And I think that the flipping of that power, like whether or not you don't care or whether you do care, the fact that someone is, it's a comment on you're not enough. It's when someone splits up with you, you're not enough for me. You're not worthy of my time as much as someone else is. You're potentially not even as worthy of my time as no one is. Mm. Like it's, it's unsurprising that breakups hurt as much as badly as they do. Cause it's, it's taken, we take it personally when in reality it probably isn't. It's probably like, cause when you break up with someone, you think it's because of the other person, but it's because of, your feelings and thoughts and mm-hmm. it may even be like stuff with you rather than the stuff with the other person. So. Yeah. It's obviously the other person has a big impact. Of course. But there are the hundred percent, there will be numerous relationships that are ended because someone says, someone feels that they've got some stuff to work on. Mm. They're like, look like, fuck man, like I, I, I'm just not in the right place for it at the moment. And they may be being so virtuous as to say, I can't give you what you need. I'm going to allow you to be happy with someone else. And that really is a, a f- very compassionate thing to say. But fuck, like if you hear that get delivered to you, you're just like... Mm. It's, it's dealing with difficult news, isn't it? It's how, how do you take something and that, that, is, that is shifting the rest of your life that you didn't want and try and make the best of it. Yeah. And I think it's... Um, like, it's 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 not that different to although there is an endpoint in sight I suppose like if you're told that you have uh, a disease cancer or something that is like this is you know immediately like this is going to affect my life I didn't want this to happen you immediately catastrophize and think it's the worst thing possible if all you can do is control like what I'm going to do about it and how I perceive it then trying to frame this as like this relationship has ended but it's the start of something new. I can go find someone else. Yeah. Actions of like this, this is at the end of this chapter in my life. I'm going to make myself even better. I'm going to work on this aspect of my life, whatever. Like if there are two people and both people are in a relationship or they're dumped or they're cheated on and one person frames it 
really positively and just really doubles down on them and the rest of their life. And the other person spends six months grieving over the loss of the relationship. Wistfully thinking about it. Both of them are in the same scenario. Like, neither of their actions have changed the outcome. Yep. But one person's... It's a good point. Are really good. One person treats it as a crisis and the other opportunity. Mm. And, you, and you can, you know, it's the stoicism thing of like, that's all you can control is thoughts and actions. Mm-hmm. Like so the breakup's the breakup. One of those ways to respond is the kind of instant grasping for looking for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, often someone that's not really well suited, but they're just there. The next just thing. available. Yeah. And that is the mo- is the, probably the biggest insult that you can give to that person because mm-hmm. without them knowing, they're just a, a filler, like mm-hmm. a... A spare. You're a substitute that's come off the bench because the goalie's injured himself. Mm. Um, yeah. So in terms of effective strategies for getting over people, I've got some fairly, I guess, uh, staunch rules with regards to the way that I have done it in the past. Um, I think that trying to remain friends with your ex within, if it's been a significantly long relationship, i.e. one that's probably over a year, I think that you should aim to cut contact with them. That is everything. That is delete the number, delete the photos, remove them, block them on all social media, remove their phone number for six months. And I think that the reason for that is that the, the, what are you I know someone that did that and they ended up receiving an email to their like oh, work God. account or something that was like the final. The last bastion of, of getting through. <laughs> Man, there's a, this hilarious photo, Dean may be able to find it, of um, a girlfriend had split up with a boyfriend at university and the only way that he'd been able to contact her had been by depositing money into a bank account with a payment reference. Really? Nice. That had the ref- that had a, a message in it. How? What, what should he put as the amount value, though? Well, he put, like, 1p, but he did, like, 10. Oh, so it was, like, a word, a word per one. But, like, points for creativity. Yeah. Fucking clever, well, that. I'd take him back. You're like, oh, that good. guy's going to do well. I'd take him back, yeah, no. Maybe not in relationships, but, but in something. Silicon Valley. I still yeah. love <laughs> yeah, exactly. 4p. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he's been presented with a problem, hasn't he, Sam? Like, how can I... Then what, I what if your bank's like, oh, minimum transfer is £5? You're like, oh, oh fuck, this is 20 quid now, yeah. So, yeah, block block and delete everything. Uh, you don't want to be reminded of them. All of the stuff that they've got you, give it back to them, give it to the charity shop, put it in the bin, put it in the attic, do whatever you need to. And then Facebook Marketplace. Facebook oh. Marketplace. Oh, it's a nightmare. Um, and then I think you need to spend time with friends. Yeah. Alain de Botton, I will put a link to how to get... A lot of this is derived from Alain de Botton from the School of Life's work. Um, how to get over someone. The video is fantastic. And I think, first and foremost, you need to accept the fact that the relationship is over you need to draw a very, very strong line under it. And once you've accepted the fact that it's over, you can then begin to look forward as opposed to reminiscing and looking back. Um, We need something, something to fill the time that our thoughts have to manifest. And uh, if you can block off the fact of looking that way, you can start to look that way. You need to spend some time around friends. I think being on your own, there's some time on your own that maybe for reflection and such like, but like, Call on your friends. If you message your friends, a lot of people feel like, oh, I've got no one to turn to. I don't have any friends, this, that, and the other. Like, if there's ever been times where I've been feeling, like, down or whatever, and I've messaged you guys, and be like, man, having a little bit of a down day, within half an hour, like, I've got a response. Mm. It's like, if you call for help... And we're your, terrible with text. Yeah. And you're shite. Yeah. Like, it's um, like you get an email with the subject line, urgent. Like, you'll open the email, won't you? Yeah, doesn't matter what's it's, happening. A yeah. fire's happening, but you yeah. can still open the email. Open the email. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Urgent, there is a fire in your... But yeah, fucking no! <laughs> yes, but this is an urgent email! Yeah. Um, That's why I'm checking my emails. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. So, um, yeah, like, 
spend some time with your friends, I think. Like, go and do something which distracts you from the situation. You only have so much cognitive capacity. Like, if you have to go and play fucking darts or go crazy golf or go to the cinema or something, there will be brief periods where you're not thinking about the mm. breakup. There has to be. Mm-hmm. Like, as the person at the counter says, oh, have you got £10.50? Like, as you're counting the £10.50, I know this sounds very granular, but in some oh, of these situations... Oh, I bought situ- her a teddy bear that was £10.50. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cashier's mum was called that. And yeah, yeah, yeah like, I get that. But, you know, the, there's small, um, small periods, little oases of uh, a cognitive break from what you have been feeling and what you're now feeling rather than sat in the house just letting it completely overwhelm it'll be the same where's the overwhelm (laughs) the same list of things that make you forget to check your emails or check your phone yeah like go do those like go like go drive a Lamborghini around a track yeah like I guarantee (laughs) you'll not be thinking about you're sat there just crying. fucking terrified. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like trying to not spin a hundred grand car around a corner. You're like, you're, you, you're thinking yeah. about just that. Yeah, and I think as well, uh, Alain de Botton's got this thing. I'm not too sure. Go jump in the North Sea. That'll, yeah. that'll oh God, us. yeah. Well, I mean, what if you drown? <laughs> yeah. I, actually, we cannot say to people who've just been in a terrible breakup <laughs> to go jump say. in the North Sea. Scrap that. Do not Dean. jump in the North Sea. Um, have a cold shower. Have a cold shower. Yeah. Go to Yusuf's house. Yeah, um, just go see Yusuf. He can't, have, can't have warm showers in his house. Um, I think hot toilet. <laughs> hot toilet. I've got a hot toilet. Someone plumbed Boiling the fucking hot, hot water into Chris the toilet. Chris uses a kettle for a toilet. I do. I just sit on a kettle. Literally. Um, so yeah, I think Alan de Botton's got this idea where he says that um, you should bore yourself, but or one of the opportunities is to bore yourself back into doing things. So he allow he says allow yourself as many nights as you want that you cry into a tub of ice cream. And watch as many romantic comedies with, like, your, oh, with your friend until you're, you're like, literally like, no I am fucking sick of myself. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I'll motivate myself out of that. I think personally for me, I'm a lot more idiosyncratic than that. So for me, what I would try and do is instantiate some things that I know are good for me. Like I still think that I allow myself to, um, I allow the thought loops to bore themselves out of, out of existence. And like, I have been in this particular loop 5,000 times before I do not need to replay it again. Mm. I'm uh, less, because there's a lot of uh, psychosocial um, factors on crying into a tub of ice cream whilst watching a dark screen. Yeah, I'm not room. sure how I feel about that advice because you see people, especially if they've got a slightly anencastic personality and they'll just absolutely what's, what's die. What's that word, Slightly ob- obsessional personality. And An- anencastic. Yeah, so like if they, they're just like, they start getting some enjoyment from doing the... The, the ice cream and watch it and then that becomes a, a that's the life now and yeah. then yeah, yeah you know they say like you break a habit once and that's a, a mistake break a habit twice and that's a new habit you've created something new yeah. and suddenly Great. you're just going down I hate that that's the case I know it's yeah. such a like oh. well, I did a I did a podcast earlier on today where I talked about how it after a while of instantiating daily routines and habits it's a lot and this is both good and bad unfortunately after a while, it's a lot easier to do them than to not do them. And that works on both sides. Yeah. Like for me to not meditate and not journal now, I'd be like, Feels I, I'd feel like I was walking with one shoe on and one shoe off yeah. for the rest of the oh, day. Horrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the fact, it's the fact that it's for the rest of the day. 
That's yeah. the real stinker. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's fucked. Then you miss your morning routine, and before you know it, it's three months later, and you, you forgot to get dressed that morning. And yeah. Yeah. Always does. I still feel off for most of the day if I've not meditated. I haven't today, and like, you, there's a constant feeling. You walked in backwards through the door earlier, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, with one shoe on. Yeah, with one shoe on. Terrible. Um, there's advice in Wave the Superior <laughs> Man that I'm currently reading, thanks to you two. Oh, great. You're reading it as well? Yeah. It's not a Audiobook. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, great book, David so, Data. He talks about um, like when you're in pain or when you're experiencing something, to like stand with your shoulders back and like just feel it and really ex- like focus on just that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there is an argument to say that it's really painful, it's really shit, but just like take it head on. Yeah, man, it's just oh, sit with it. Here's here's, here's something to meditate on, like. Your life is not lived from the comfort of your couch. Like when you look back on your life in 60, 70 years time, hopefully, you you don't want to think that you didn't have any experiences. Mm, I and, wish I watched more Netflix. Yeah. Like mm. another thing to consider is that whatever you're feeling right now, it could be 10 out of 10 pain across globally across your entire body and you could have lost everything. But in six months time, that will just be a memory. Mm. Like nothing, nothing is going to last forever. And that's one of the few things that you know. So you're like, right, okay, I'm feeling something now. I recently did a podcast, an amazing podcast with Alex Hutchinson, who wrote a book called Endure. And in this, what he does is he discusses the different um, contributing factors to what makes an endurance athlete successful. And what he says is that very, very good endurance athletes are able to mindfully distinguish between the different elements of discomfort within the body. So it's not just overwhelm. It's not pain and discomfort. It's He talks about it like a glass of wine. So he says, well, there's an undertone of lactic burn. I can, I'm getting some notes of breathlessness and a high heart rate. There's a scent of heat and uh, and discomfort in my head. There's a ringing in my ear. There's a, a, a blindness on the side of my eyes. And as opposed to seeing the emotions or feeling the emotions as a single nebulous, insurmountable problem, what you actually feel them for are their component parts. Mm. And I think that's what you're talking about there. Yeah. It's sitting with the discomfort. It's like, what am I feeling? Okay, so I've got the, the, the stomach. I, I can feel the heat rising in my chest. Like break it down, and, and you can break open what it is that something you, that sensations in Sam Harris's like lessons talks about. Um, like, there's a we all have this feeling that at some point that like pain or a sensation or something is um, absolutely unbearable. I'll not mm-hmm. be able to continue. But like logically, right now and a moment ago and two moments ago and three moments ago, you were just experiencing that, and it was fine. So there's nothing different about it's the ah yeah it's about it so So, go and do what's called a widow maker which is a (laughs) which is 20 reps on back squat with your 10 rep max and that's the the only time i could really distinctly remember and it happened every time this decoupling from like i am in this experience but there's a moment of like you're always just watching yourself doing it that that sounds impossible by the way you keep it on your back until you've done 10 then you take 3 or 5 deep breaths and you do another rep and and you just it is possible horrendous so the equivalent that Alex used in the podcast was I think it's um, 5 by 
five by 500 meter sprints. Oh. So you go as hard as you can. You run for, you run five, 500 meters. You have a one minute rest. You run again. And then once you've finished, you've done your fifth rep and you're on the floor dying and panting. You'll be in a mega lactate threshold in that, that particular workout as well. Your coach comes over and says, you need to do one more. Mm. And you're like, I can't, I could. And and you've given it everything on that fifth round. You've given it absolutely everything that you've got. Mm. But if you need to get up and you need to go again, you find that you can go again Mm -hmm. and you could go again after that. I always find it quite comforting when I'm training that like, I don't need like not being able to do it. I don't need to worry about that. Like my body will take care of that. Like if the the 20 rep squats, like eventually I'll just collapse. So I don't like that's taken care of. All I need to do is so relaxing. Continu- so eventually I'll like, just collapse with 180 kilos. Because there's almost this like, I decide when I give up. So like, well, you don't. You don't have to. Your body will take care of that. And you're going to be fascinated by the podcast I did with Alex. It's unbelievable. And the the main thing, I'm not going to give too much of a spoiler away, but the key to everything, he says, in endurance and in uh, mentality within sports is RPE. Is it? Everything is rate of perceived exertion. Everything. It's quite, it's different with things that you're actively doing to yourself, I suppose. Because with grief, with breakups, it is grief. It's happening to you. Mm. But this sense of... So Shinzen Young says, suffering equals pain times resistance. resistance. And... Is that like the holding onto the tennis ball thing? Probably, yeah. So like you, the amount of resist, resisting it happening to you, I suppose like you're holding on to something there, but if it's something happening to you, the more you're like, ah, oh, no, no. If you actually just, yeah, as you said, dial down on what are the specific sensations that I'm feeling you realise that actually they're a lot smaller. They're just like little atoms and it's, it's, you're just seeing this big mass that you're assuming is huge. You realise that they're just like bubbles and they're vacuous inside. And Sam Harris as well talks about like the sensation in his knee while meditating for a long time and how it becomes this searing pain. But then once he kind of zones in on it, it's like, actually, I can't distinguish if it's ecstasy or pain. It's just an intense sensation. I, I know this. Is, I mean, this we are we are telling people who are heartbroken <laughs> that they need to sit with their discomfort. You, you absolutely and, do. But yes, I, they I, do. It, it, it yeah. is the truth. It is the truth. It's a learning experience. And I mean, grief what, will come out in some way. So here's here's so a here's a really nice thing. To, here's here's a really nice well, thing to think you, about. Yeah. Just <sighs> a nice thing to think about if you are going through a breakup or have done or are going to like what what better of a way to take ownership of something painful than to use it for growth. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm. this is a a situation which would crush a lot of people, may even crush me. It feels that there's discomfort and somehow on the other side of this, I've drawn a profit or a a positive. I mean, fuck. Like, there you go. That's how to complete. That is how to complete getting over someone. Um, So gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. We will be back. Anytime. We will be back. Well, I know we're about to do another one, but no one knows. Uh, We will be back with Relationships 104, which is the long-awaited Instagram funnel. Is it? (laughs) Oh, Oh, my goodness. Ready thyselves. For the Instagram funnel. It's going to be good. (laughs) Please do not forget to press subscribe. If you've enjoyed the episode, share it with a friend. It would make us very, very happy indeed. Links to some of the further reading, some of the other articles that we've mentioned will be in the show notes below. Press the share button. Press it now. Please press it now. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, Biden. Okay, Biden. Okay, Biden.